This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. everyone. You are listening to the Master Gardener Hour, a one-hour show where we talk to garden professionals and gardeners from all walks of life, all growing a variety of different plants. My name is Kate Copsey and I am the host of the show. I am an active Master Gardener and have kept the certification for over a decade through different states. And you can contact me from my webpage katecopsey.com or through America's Web Radio Station site. If you have any questions about something in your garden, please post it on our Facebook page and maybe we can answer the question on the air. This morning we are going to continue to talk about great gifts for the season and this week we have Randy Schultz from Schultz PR in New Mexico. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Kate. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, and you are a gardener and you have a PR company that represents garden-related companies um, producing different things in the gardening world. So I guess you get to meet and greet um, a lot of different people in the industry, which I think is a great industry to be in. So is that what kind of attracted you to helping these people get out there and produce their great products? Well, it was certainly part of it. You know, I, I grew up as a, as a kid in suburbia, so I never, I never lived in a real rural area, but we all always had enough um, land in the backyard to grow a little garden. So I remember as a kid uh, helping my mom plant uh, vegetables, and I remember having a peach tree that uh, was very, very productive. And then uh, when I was a little older, I I remember our house was um, was constructed in what used to be an apple orchard, and they left some of the apple trees on the property. And so I remember picking apples from these trees, um, and and thinking that was that, that's just the coolest thing ever. Here's a here's a great tree, and it produces fruit. So I've always been um, kind of leaning toward vegetables and fruits. I, I'm an an edible gardener kind of a person. And it wasn't until later that I realized that planting perennials and bulbs and other things was also quite satisfying. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, when gardeners, um, you know, I started, I think, with perennials as well. Um, and then I realized that somebody gave, gave me a Rodale's herb book and I realized half my perennials were actually herbs. So I kind of wandered into the herb world from that. Things like echinaceas and coneflowers and things like that. Um, so that's I guess that's kind of how I got into uh, this the edible side of things. Um, just as I had just a small plot many years ago but uh, I mean it's just such fun to to do the edibles but I I also like um, shrubs and things like that as well um, and and some of the great perennials out there um, but uh, but when in your PR business where you represent different companies do you find that um, you gravitate towards the edible in that that um, in your business as well because you enjoy that type of um, environment or is it more that you um you know you you trust those companies um and try out their products before you take them on well it's, it's a little bit of both 
You know, we, we lean toward um, natural gardening and organic products uh, just because I, that's where my heart is as a gardener, and I think it's a, a more responsible way to garden. Um, but I'm not a real diehard. You know, at some point, you might actually have to bring out the chemicals to kill an, uh, a really bad infest, infestation, but that's the absolute last resort. So I would much rather use um, natural and organic products. Um, I think it's better for gardeners, and I think it's better for the planet. Um, and, and in the beginning, when I started um, doing PR for um, garden companies, uh, and I started Schultz Communications, I certainly gravitated toward the edible side of things. But as I was growing as a gardener, I also you know, started to appreciate trees and shrubs and perennials and bulbs. So my portfolio of, of companies that I started working with got bigger and bigger and, and broader and broader to encompass you know, pretty much everything in the home and garden. And I think a lot of companies have actually um, brought on the, the edible side um, to their, their portfolios uh, because that obviously has been a great um, – over the last ten, 10 years or so, the number of people growing vegetables has just it, – it's, it's mushroomed tremendously. But also the ones um, – it, it's not people tilling up, I guess, the, the – back 40 type of thing. People are also growing in much smaller spaces. So have you seen the industry adapt to that um, that scenario, whether it be an apartment or, or a deck or something like that? Oh, absolutely. One of the nice things about being a gardener in the home and garden business is that you get to spot the trends and you get to see what, what people want to, to use in their backyard gardens. And you also get to see what companies are introducing as a new new approach or a, a new solution to, to a gardening problem or opportunity. So in the last decade or so, what we've seen is that the younger generation of gardeners are entering through edibles. You know, in the past, you might have entered gardening through bulbs because planting bulbs is really very easy. And um, after after you plant the bulbs in the fall, typically, you know, you kind of forget about them through the cold weather. And in springtime, you get this nice, <laughs> nice treasure. I like to call planting bulbs burying treasure because that's sort of the way it feels. Um, but the younger generation is not entering gardening through uh, flowering plants. They're entering through their, their love for fresh food and organics and healthy food. So that's one of the reasons why edibles are one of the hottest areas in um, gardening right now because the younger generation is is discovering gardening because they want to grow healthy food and they want to have more control over their, their food sources. And, and I think, you know, the people that maybe were in school um, probably in the, the 90s, everybody was putting in, suddenly wanted to put in butterfly gardens. And somewhere along the line, about 15 years later, they were transitioning those through natives into edibles. And there's, but there is still a, um, a lot of native um, interest around in particularly in, in schools because you don't have um, the people there and the manpower in the summer to harvest the vegetables. Well, absolutely, and you know, trends are um, are, are really fascinating to watch because you, you nailed it exactly in terms of in the last twenty years or so. There's really been a huge interest in gardening with nature, and that's 
not only using, you know, more eco-friendly products and fertilizers and pesticides and things like that, it's also paying attention to the, the native landscape wherever it is that you live and trying to find plants that will just naturally grow in your conditions better than some of the plants that might be at the big box um, stores that, you know, kind of have a, a, a national plant palette. So I, I'm in New Mexico, and I've been very cognizant of the fact that you have to watch and listen to nature and find out what she planted in your, in your yard before you got there. Uh, it makes no sense to grow things in New Mexico that need a lot of water because we just don't have that kind of precipitation. So, you know, that's an ongoing trend, and I think it's a really smart one. Yeah, and I, and I think particularly um, with me being on the, the East Coast, I mean, winters particularly um, have been particularly severe last year, and this one looks like it's going to be a bit of a doozy too. Um, and then you alternate that with years of um, droughts or very heavy rain. Um, and I think the native plants have, have evolved over the centuries um, or the millennia even um, to actually be able to survive through those things and that, I think that's one of their biggest advantages um, but but I do like the, the, the newer ones as well um, you know some of the big box stores you know you go on rescues and kind of things like the Gaylardias and blanket flowers and things I mean those are so easy to grow. Sure um, absolutely yeah and, and as you get better and better as, as a gardener more skilled and more aware then you can go to the big box stores and you can find the plants that are going to work. Like you say, the Gallardias and Salvias and things that have a much wider um, tolerance for things like heat and things like uh, low water conditions. But that's part of the process, I think, of, of learning as you go. Gardening is so great because you can start from a very um, small and narrow perspective. In other words, your first gardening might be tomato plants, which are not that tough to grow. Um, and and the, the production out of a tomato plant is phenomenal. Um, and from there, you know, it's season by season, you learn a little bit more, and pretty soon you're, you know, you're pretty much a hands-on expert as to what kind of plants are going to work in your yard. Yes, and I, you know, and I, I certainly think, you know, particularly with, with tomatoes and things like that, I mean, they, they can be grown in such small spaces um, and I think I noticed on on your site there are some really colorful um, little options in containers which we will get get to in the next segment um, mm-hmm. but I, I but I think gardeners in gen- general I mean are they do you find find that they are good for there's a lot of gifts that you can give a gardener even if you don't know them that well well sure because some, there, there are some things that pretty much every gardener is going to need or use at some point. So things like gardening gloves and um, certain garden tools are a great idea. Once you know that somebody is interested in gardening, um, there are all kinds of things that that open up to uh, gift possibilities. And if you know them a little better, then you can do things like uh, containers and things like that. And I, th- I think anybody that goes outside at all, we all need gloves. I mean, I, I have a tendency to get, get through, I get maybe at the beginning of the year one of those bags of um, 25 black gloves. <laughs> you know, so you can lose them around. <laughs> well, I've never bought 25 pairs at a time, but I have bought the three-pack at the, at the hardware store of leather gloves. And, and because not that I wear them out that quickly, it's just that I put them 
someplace and then can't find them, and so I need multiples, you know. <laughs> yes, um, and by the time you've been in the gar- garden for maybe one day and you put them in into the drawer for washing and, you know, it, it's, it, it's um, you, you always need more gardening gloves, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and actually at the beginning of the season I have a big bag full of gardening gloves that are fresh to go at, but you're right, some of them are, are leather ones that uh, are great for roses and prickles and things like that. Others are... Um, maybe lighter ones that um, are good good for just general weeding and things like that. Yeah, and there are several garden companies that have multiple lines of gloves. Um, and like you say, some of them are very heavy, some of them are very light, some of them are, feel light enough and, and um, thin enough so that you could pick up a dime if you needed to. So depending on what chore you're doing, uh, LFS Gloves makes a kind of, of a glove they call Nearly Naked. Um, and it's a very lightweight glove, but it's it's sturdy, and it gives you a lot of flexibility and dexterity in your fingers, and that's great when you're doing little jobs in the garden. Yeah, um, as, as against the, the roses, where presumably well, you need the leather not the a good choice yeah. for pruning roses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we have to go for our first commercial break here, Randy, um, but we'll be back talking with Randy Schultz about finding the perfect gift for the gardening friend on the Master Gardener Hour. We will be back in just a moment. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's Food Link was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at the Master Gardener Hour. And if you miss any shows, you can find the archives on americaswebradio.com webpage, and you can find them on iTunes and on Stitchers. This morning, we are talking about finding the right gift for your gardening friend with gardener Randy Schultz, who is the CEO of Schultz Communications, a home and garden PR company. Um, so let's start, start Randy. I mean, we talked a little about um, different sorts of, of gloves, which I think are um, great for any gardener. But let's go down to the feet. Um, what type of shoes um, are good for, for gardening? I mean, do they have to be hard-toed, for instance, um, if you're doing mulching or composting or something like that? 
Well, for me, a, a good sturdy pair of work boots with a very hard sole is is a must if I'm doing anything like digging with a shovel or um, moving moving heavy stuff around. I want my feet to be protected. And um, if you ever have thought you were going to do a quick gardening chore and you were wearing sandals and something fell on your foot, that's probably the, the last time you're ever going to do that. It just it's not a pleasant experience. So by all means, protect your feet. Um, but there are some really cool shoes um, that were designed for gardening. They're waterproof. Um, they're not that heavy duty. But for, you know, casual gardening and even, you know, walking your dog through through uh, a rain, a light rain, or you're running errands when it's a little, um, little, little wet outside, um, there's a company called Sloggers that make this great rain and garden shoe. And I have a pair of them. And what I did was I discovered that I slipped into them so many times coming into the house and going out to, you know, just do a quick errand. That's the pair of shoes I leave by my back door. So I can literally just slide my feet into them and go out into the yard and do something, whatever it happens to be. So I've discovered that those are the shoes that I I seem to wear the most outdoors um, just because they're real convenient. And if I get them dirty, uh, you can just hose them right off. Oh, well, that, that, that would be great because I'm notorious actually for, for go, going out um, to fill the bird feeders or something in a pair of light sneakers or something and you end up, you know, in the dew in the morning. Um, you end up not just with wet, wet sneakers because these are cheap and cheerful ones, uh, but you get wet socks and wet feet as well. <laughs> well, exactly. And so I just slip into these um, rain and garden shoes and, um, and it's great because if I've dropped something on my shoe, I, I don't care. I leave them by the back door so I don't track stuff in and out, um, and and it, it, it totally works for me. And they come in, in several different patterns and colors. As, as a matter of fact, the women's sizes come in some really cool um, garden and floral patterns. So you might even want to wear these to um, go, go to the grocery store and shop in these things because they, they will catch some attention. People will comment on your shoes, uh, which is kind of fun. I mean, most people don't really look at shoes, but if your shoes are, are turquoise with, with a pansy flower pattern all over them, people are going to say, whoa, those are the coolest things I've ever seen. Yes, yeah, that, they they would do, I think, you know, and particularly if you were at a garden centre or or something where you know you because sometimes when they've got hoses around and they've watered, you also need to keep your feet dry in situations like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so those are my go-to shoes for the garden, and when I'm doing, like I said, when I'm doing heavy-duty stuff, I'm moving um, rocks or, or bricks or something with a wheelbarrow. Uh, I've got my sturdy um, work boots on. But other than that, I've got those rain shoes on, and they work great. Yeah, are, are they sturdy enough for maybe when you're going to maybe put a fork into the ground, or would you need something sturdier um, for, for on the sole of them? Uh, the, the soles are actually pretty sturdy. They're kind of a lug sole, you know, that thick stuff with treads. So you can do some light digging in those. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't do a lot of New Mexico digging in the, the hard pan uh, sand dirt that we have um, in those shoes, but I'll bet in most gardening situations they'd be fine. Okay, um, and you know, and, and I know that um, you know some some people like you know when you get dirty outside, 
Um, there, there are also some, some garden soaps and things. Um, what type of soaps? I mean, is it just, just an antibacterial that you need when you've been out in the dirt? And let's face it, I, I do take my gloves off. And I don't know. I don't know why my gloves always come off. <laughs> it's a bit like leaving the bucket and you move along without them. Um, and, and my hands always get, get dirty, whatever I'm do, doing. Um, sh- are, are most of the gardening soaps um, unscented for male and female and antibacterial or something? Oh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different um, soap and lotion choices. Um, and typically, I'll just use a, a regular antibacterial kind of soap. Um, but then if you, if you use your hands a lot out in the garden, you know, they're going to dry out some, especially if you, you wash them repeatedly. So I really like a, um, a hand lotion, just a real lightweight thing, not anything too sissy because I am a guy, but um, maybe a little hint of lavender um, just, just to kind of moisturize your skin. That's always a nice touch. Yeah, and I, I know there are some that are made specifically for gardeners, which I, I kind of wonder just, you know, how different they are. But let's talk um, uh, garden tools a little bit. Um, last week we had on Janet Calvo talking about miniature gardening, and that's a very popular thing to do indoors, where, whether you're doing miniature gardening or whether you're starting seeds or something like that. I noticed that there was a little indoor gardening set. Tell me a little about that. Well, you know, every every gardener um, who gets into the the hobby of gardening and um, and really starts embracing it is going to end up with a collection of tools. Uh, one of the things that you need to start with is a nice collection of hand tools because um, those are just very very um, handy, if you will, um, when you're when you're transplanting plants or putting bulbs in the ground. Um, so there. A little gift set with maybe three tools in it would be a really good choice, and that's that's a nice gift. Uh, as a matter of fact, Joseph Bentley, a uh, company that's um, based in England, and, and now their tools are, are available here in America, they have a really nice gardener's hand tool set um, in, a, in a gift box, you know, and it's a little trowel and a little um, digging fork and a, and a slightly narrower trowel for things like, you know, digging holes for, for bulbs. And every, every gardener is going to need a set of little hand tools at some point. So that's a, that's a nice gift for somebody who's just getting started in gardening or um, somebody who's looking to upgrade their tools. These are uh, nice stainless steel um, working tools with wooden handles. So they're, they're a, certainly a step or two up from what people get usually as their their first trial you know for $1.99 in the bin at Walmart or something like that so a nice upgrade and and so that that would be perfect for people that that maybe were in um, wheelchairs or some something go, going into a raised bed type of thing um, because I know a lot of se- seniors for instance use the raised beds if they're in in wheelchairs but almost and kids as well if they were try, trying their first garden in a little raised bed because the soil there is very very light sure and you know containers are are one of the most popular ways to start with gardening. Um, so anytime you're, you're working in containers, you need to, your, your tools to be sized, downsized, you know, for working in those smaller spaces. 
Yeah. And and so let's talk about maybe um, some of the um, other type, types of things that you can give gardeners. Um, and some of the live plants, um, things like um, the amaryllis, um, are they safe to go from one place to another? Well, the great thing about an amaryllis is it's a, um, it's a very tough, large flowering bulb, okay? They, they tend to come from tropical places, so it's, it's an indoor plant in the vast majority of cases in, in America because our winters are too cold to put them out and um, have them overwinter. But, you know, stored in every bulb is enough energy to create the flower and the plant for the next season. So there's very little you need to do for a flower bulb. And because an amaryllis is so big anyway, you really get a nice big showy set of blossoms. So I think an amaryllis is just a terrific gift. Now it shows up in the, you know, for the most part, what you get is a bulb, maybe planted in a nice container. And um, the recipient is going to have to water it and be a little patient because it's going to take a couple of weeks for the thing to start really growing and the, the flower stalk uh, starts growing. But what a delight, you know, four or six weeks later, they have this really stunning plant that the blossoms are just giant. I mean, very tropical. Tropical plants are, you know, are one of the things that separates them from, you know, a temperate zone plant is the blossoms tend to be much bigger and showier. And so you get all of that with this one bulb where all you got to do is water it. I, I just think it's a great gift. And, and it's usually shipped in the, the dormant stage, right, rather right, than, yes. Right. It's basically what happens is the bulb, the bulb goes dormant, and when you start watering it, it wakes it up. That's the message to the bulb to start growing. So uh, they're easy to ship, and um, they're easy to get started. Literally, you just add water, and it goes. And, and you'd get great blossom then um, in January or something like that um, exactly. when, you, when you really need something <laughs> colorful so, inside. So I, tell you, I tell you what, if you want to give yourself a gift, get yourself an amaryllis bulb now and start watering it. And um, you won't have to wait till January. By the end of December, um, you'll start seeing this plant grow. So, so you start with the Christmas cactuses and then the amaryllis will take over in January. Absolutely, that, that's a great one-two punch. Yeah, ex except my um, my cactuses, I don't know what I did wrong with them, but I think maybe I kept them outside a little bit too long because the minute I brought them in in September, they started setting um, flower. And so now I've got one that we're not even at Thanksgiving and it's already flowered and done. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, you know, just because we call it a Christmas, this cactus doesn't mean the plant's going to automatically know when it's Christmas. So, if, but, but if I've got a plant that's happy enough to flower, I will say thank you very much to that plant no matter when it is. You know? yeah. and, I'm happy about that. Yeah, and, and actually last year they, they bloomed around Thanksgiving to Christmas and then they came out again, um, I think around February, March time as well. Um, so these are, have become real troopers. And I just picked those up at the box store, I think, a couple of years ago. So they've been actually wonderful. Well, that's, that's great. You, you've had more success getting years to flower than I have, but... But the plants are healthy, and sometimes they flower and sometimes they don't. Yeah, and I've been told that you don't repot them very often. Um, they they like actually like to be, um, you know, 
root bound in, in, in most situations. So you don't want to take a little plant and put it in a, in a big pot. That's, that's one plant variety that would rather struggle a little bit and have a lot of room to grow in. So, so my laziness this summer or procrastination actually paid off with these because they didn't actually get repotted, which I'd planned on. Um, but, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. But I want to remind everyone you're listening to the Master Gardener Hour and we'll be back with more about great gifts for gardeners um, in just a moment. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K Steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Steaks, Q-U-I-K Steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's FoodLink was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com. Connecting farm to fork. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to the Master Gardener Hour. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are celebrating the season with Randy Schultz from Schultz PR Communications, and we've talking about garden gifts for the gardens and for people that like gardening. Um, so let's turn maybe to garden friends to keep everybody happy. Um, and I know that you've got a night camera. And I'd never thought about having one of these night cameras until I saw I was sat at my desk and this little groundhog came wandering past my window, sniffed around the lilac, wandered up the deck, took a little sniff at the tomato plant, came back down, went back and then had lunch in the vegetable garden. And I thought, very nice. You know where you're going. <laughs> um, but I wanted to see if he was coming back at night. And um, so I got, I, I got one of those little night cameras. And they're great for seeing what's actually eating when in your garden and how they get into it. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, w- one of the things we haven't talked about is, is uh, my newest website, which is homegardenandhomestead.com. And it's filled with all kinds of cool stuff for home and garden, inc- including quite a few of the items that we're talking about today. Um, but under the birds and birding ca- category on Home Garden and Homestead is my favorite camera. Um, it's actually called the bird cam, but it can be used in any 
outdoor situation. And it, it was designed to, to install against a tree. Maybe you strap it to a tree or put it on a pole or whatever um, and face it towards your bird feeder or, or a birdhouse. And it will automatically take pictures of whatever birds visit your bird feeder, say. Um, it's got a motion-sensitive camera. And it takes either videos or still photos, depending on which option you've chosen. And what a great way to, to catch the birds who visit your yard when you're not there to see them. You know, I've always wondered how many birds come to my bird feeder. I see the same ones over and over again. Um, but with the camera, now I know that I'm getting some species I didn't know were there before. Um, and it does have a flash, so if, um, if you wanted, let's just say it. You had a little visitor coming to your garden at night. This would be a great camera to use. You set it up, and it will, it will take a flash picture of whatever it is that, that visits um, because that motion-activated um, camera is going to um, snap the photo, uh, a very candid photo, so you get, you get to see what's visiting. But and I I think with the one that I've got, I mean the poor little thing. I don't, I don't know quite um, whether it frightened him off. Um, but the first night I got it, but I haven't seen him on camera. Uh, he's become camera shy. Um, does the flash actually affect them so they don't come back to the garden, or would that well, be too optimistic? On, depending mistake? on how sensitive and how how bold they are, um, the answer would be yes. I mean, if if they're you know very skittish. Um, and they know that every time they, they visit that part of your garden, uh, there's going to be a flash photo taken. Uh, that might scare them away. But I know that it doesn't deter things like raccoons and, and whatnot because they're just a little, <laughs> I don't know, spunkier, yeah. fearless. Yeah, and actually I haven't thought of putting them um, trained onto the bird feeder itself. I have a feeling that I'd probably see the squirrel more than anything else. Well, you might. You might. A lot of people don't realize how much of their bird seed goes to squirrels, um, and that might be an interesting experiment just uh, just by itself. Yeah. Um, um, but but I know there are some um, thing, things that you can buy gardeners um in the way of the, the evergreens, because not, not everybody has got evergreens and conifers outside to make decorations. Um, do you have anybody that maybe makes them up uh, for, for a gardener, that maybe you could ship um, may, maybe a, a garland or, or table decoration um, direct to the home for the hostess? Um, absolutely. You know, I've, I've said for, for several years now that one of the greatest gifts you can give during the holidays, depending on the situation, of course, but what a great um, party gift or a hostess gift for you to show up um, bearing the gift of holiday decor. Uh, there are companies such as Jackson and Perkins and Wayside Gardens, if you go to their websites. Um, there's a whole lot of choices. Wayside Gardens has this delightful boxwood wreath that is very um, traditional in its shape. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a circle. Um, but instead of having um, a conifer sort of look, it's, it's preserved boxwood leaves, which are um, glossier and larger, and it's just a nice holiday statement. And uh, from Jackson and Perkins, you can get a whole bunch of different kinds of tabletop trees. You know, they're, they're two or three feet tall in a nice little pot, 
and they're fully decorated. They come out of the box, and they're ready to just put on a counter. Some of them are even pre-lit with LED lights that, have, that are battery-powered, so you can put a nice little um, bit of bright holiday decor anywhere. You don't have to plug them in. There's just a lot of those choices, and um, I think that's a great, that also makes a great gift. Yeah, and, and actually, I always associate Jackson and Perkins with roses. So is this a new line for them, or have they always gone into the, the home as well? Well, the last few years they've done more and more of this because, you know, roses are a, a spring and summer thing, and it, it enabled them to uh, extend their growing season year-round. So they have a lot of holiday stuff now. If you go online, you'll see amaryllis bulbs and um, these little decorative holiday tabletop trees and all kinds of great stuff. And I also noticed one that had edibles on it. Um, little, I, I guess the, the baubles weren't true baubles. They, they were little chocolate balls or something? Uh, yes, the little, the little ornaments um, on some of these um, themed tabletop trees are actually foil-wrapped chocolates. So <laughs> depending on how much you can resist chocolate during the holiday season, uh, you, you might find that you're picking off the ornaments and eating them along the way. Um, <laughs> or if you've got kids anyway. <laughs> or kids, yeah. Just don't, yeah. Don't tell the kids that the ornaments are edible, at least not right away. <laughs> and I would imagine then that you could replace it with those little gold coins or something like that in subsequent years. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and I think things to go go on tables or, or dresses or something like that. Um, as you say, they can be used as hostess gifts as well. Um, well I, I love them as, as as a hostess gift. Um, if I if we happen to be hosting um, a holiday party this year, and um, I would be even though we'll we'll be fully decorated, I would be very happy if somebody brought me a little tabletop tree or some little little um, decor item that says holidays and and do they last from one year to an, another or are they do you basically ditch them after the first year well some of these things are designed to be um preserved um so that you can actually put them in a box and you know don't let them dry out too much but like that boxwood wreath would last for probably two or three years easily and those little tabletop trees are designed to actually put them outside find a place to plant them and just let them grow. Ooh. So, so it's, but you'd have to acclimatize them um, towards the out- outdoors after they'd been inside for so long. Absolutely, you're going to gently yeah. uh, expose them to, to small bits of colder weather, like during the daytime, and then bring them back in so that they they, um, they toughen up a little bit. Yeah, and actually, I brought two little conifers um, from a Christmas tree farm last year, and he was selling them in containers. So those sat nicely on the front porch, and I decorated them with just a few little things. But because they they'd always been outside, they were just a treat to go pl- plant straight in the garden as soon as um, the garden was able to be defrosted enough to plant salt, plant anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some friends of mine have have used this living Christmas tree tradition for years and their their backyard is essentially filled with christmas trees that they celebrated with indoors and then put them out later and some of these trees are 30 feet tall now it's been quite a while um but it's part of the family lore and part of part of you know what they talk about during the 
the Christmas season, and they, they, you know, try to remember, okay, what year was that one? Was that 1989 <laughs> when we got that one? It's just kind of a fun tradition. Yeah, yeah. and I, actually some, somebody brought me one of those tiny little um, Norway spruces in a little one. that You can get them in the supermarkets and things as, mm-hmm. a, as a, a hostess gift. And I, being me, I didn't just sort of toss it. I kept it alive and kept it alive and then repotted it and kept it alive and took it to the next location. And it ended up about six foot high. Well, that's the spirit. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, so, so the, the little table decorations, um, there was one that was on a, a white plate. Does that come complete with kind of the cake stand to put it on with the, um, I think, some it had a candle? Do. Yeah, some of them do. Their, you know, they tend to be themed so that they've, they, they've got a lot of different looks depending on, you know, who the recipient is. And, and uh, that one that's on a cake platter um, has got, you know, holiday greens and stuff on it. Um, but that cake platter um, is really part of the gift. You know, you, that's 100% reusable, and you'll have that one for years. And, and does it come complete with the candle as well? Yes, yes. Usually, usually when you're ordering online or in a catalog, what you see is what you get. Um, so if you, if you see a, a holiday decor piece um, sitting on a cake plate or in a particular uh, container, that's, that's what you're going to get. The difference might be in something like an amaryllis bulb is they're going to show you the, the, the bulb in full flower, and, and yours, when it shows up, is not going to be in full flower. You've got to add the water and let it grow. But other than that, uh, what you see is what you get. But I'm, I'm thinking that although we're gardeners, not everybody is a gardener, but that's the sort of thing that non-gardeners would appreciate, I think, as well. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite. everybody's always at, toward the end of the, the holiday season, seems like we, we start buying little things, stocking stuffers and things like that. One of my favorite stocking stuffers this year is not a gardening item per se, but anybody who, who gardens or does any projects around the house and uses a tape measure knows that if you're trying to measure something by yourself, that little metal end of the tape measure slips off whatever, whatever it is you're measuring. It's just, uh-huh. it's just annoying. And um, out here in New Mexico, um, two sisters have formed a company to market something that they call the Tape Ease Rubber Grip. And it's this little thing that snaps right on the end of that, that metal tab end of the tape measure. And it adds a much bigger surface that's got a little rubber on the inside so that you can, one person can measure something and that tape measure magically doesn't slip off anymore. Wow. I just think that's the coolest thing. And, it, you know, it's the, I, I think it's the best item for under five bucks. I mean, a lot of my friends are going to get that <laughs> just because um, it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, why didn't somebody think of this sooner? Oh, oh, absolutely. That, that, that's a, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that little thing, the tapey's rubber grip, you can and get it at uh, hardware stores. Uh, um, some Home Depot stores have it. And um, it's also just, online at tape-ease.com. But okay. a, a, just a cool little item. Wow, yeah. Um, anyway, we need to take our final commercial break here, but come back to listen to more about great gift ideas from Randy Shorts. And when we come back, we'll talk about how to get some of these gifts as well. We will be right back. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory. 
ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to the Master Gardener Hour. I am the host of the show, and I hope you're enjoying the show this morning. Um, yeah, you're with the Master Gardener Hour, and we've been talking all about seasonal gifts with uh, Randy Schultz from Schultz Communications. Um, and, Randy, we've covered some of the um, the seasonal gifts um, and decorations. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet is something I, I always hanker after, and that's a greenhouse. Um, and I noticed you had one on your on your site some, somewhere on the on the site. Um, are these kind of the pop-up greenhouses or are these permanent greenhouses? Yeah, you know, what you're talking about, you, you probably saw it on homegardenandhomestead.com, and we had a little greenhouse section where it kind of showed the full range of what's available in that some of these were um, much more portable, uh, lighter weight, and some of these greenhouses are actually a kit that you order from a company and they ship a huge pallet full of every possible component and then you build it on site. So depending on where you are budget-wise and where you are in terms of how, how avid a gardener you are and how much space you think you need uh, for indoor growing, you know, there's pretty much a greenhouse for everybody. Oh wow! And but the, those that come on the pallet, you would probably need a building permit or a, uh, your your covenants and things like that. You'd have to check those before you bought one of those, right? Well, anything that's a permanent structure, you're going to have to 
um, install it in in a way that um, yeah, I mean it's it's essentially new construction on your property. I don't think you need a building permit in most places, but if you do have covenants and restrictions in your community, you might have to check with them and make sure you're not erecting something that's um, uh, that somebody's going to object to. Against the rules, or somebody's <laughs> going to have a problem with because you don't want to have to tear it down. But but there's a company called Gothic Arch Greenhouse, and they're based in Mobile, Alabama. They they've been doing this. Um, for something like 68 years. It's a family-owned company. And that's the end of the spectrum where they deliver a greenhouse. And you, you have to build a foundation, you know. You've got to do a little work. Um, so you might not be able to do this in an afternoon, and you probably can't do it by yourself. But when you end up constructing their kit, you've got this really wonderful-looking greenhouse that's going to last for generations probably. Um, and on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you could go to um, – a company like uh, the greenhousecatalog.com, and they have uh, greenhouses made with um, a much lighter weight uh, material. It's not glass. It's uh, it's their own branded, you know, plastic sort of stuff. Um, and it's much more affordable to buy one of those, and it's much more portable. You can actually change your mind and move it if you needed to. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know I've had um, flower houses. They, um, they've been around for a while in different ways. They don't have any – I don't think they have any thermal uh, qualities, so you wouldn't – it wouldn't protect things from a frost. But I do find they're great in spring because it stops those cold winds getting onto the plants. Right, right. Yeah, something like that with just a – like a, a – a clear plastic cover is not going to give you a lot of temperature protection, maybe five degrees, maybe 10 if you're lucky. But uh, so I wouldn't rely on it for keeping everything um, alive during a, uh, a severe snowstorm. But it's a great way to extend your season, both in the beginning of the season and toward the end, where you might get a little frost. It might dip down to 29 and start harming your, your tomatoes. Um, if, if you can move, plants in, in one of those little portable structures, then you are going to protect them a little bit. Yeah, um, and, and you can anchor them down as well, because spring, of course, has, has storms. Um, I've never trusted it going too cold or, or in big storms, but it, it's a handy little thing, and it's only about, um, what, six foot by four foot or something, the one I right. have. Re- right. Really nifty little one. Um, and, and we didn't actually mention the, um, the containers that you have. Um, well, that- I tell you, the containers... I like to, to call the containers sort of the entry point for gardening because we talked earlier in the first or second segment about uh, the younger generation is entering gardening by getting interested in, in growing edibles, tomatoes and salad greens and whatnot, and putting them in a grow box. Uh, the brand names vary. Uh, Earth box might be the most um, well-known name, but there's actually one called the grow box. Uh, that does the same basic thing. It just has a larger water reservoir. But basically what you're doing is you're creating a controlled environment for these plants to grow in. The soil stays moist because there's a little cover that goes over it. Um, the plants poke through, through that. And you water uh, through a little watering hole so that underneath at the very bottom of these containers they tend to be rectangular most of them at the whole bottom of it is a water reservoir and the water just kind of seeps up into the root zone of the plant so they always stay 
properly watered. It's just a great way to introduce growing edibles to somebody who's interested but really doesn't have the skill level yet to, you know, clear a 40-square-foot plot in the backyard. And, and are they deep, deep enough for things like um, tomatoes and peppers and such? You know, what's interesting is they tend to be, you know, about a foot deep, um, two and a half feet long and a foot wide. Oh, so they're quite um, big. Which is, which is a decent size, and it, it doesn't look like a huge amount of, um, of root space, but they were designed to grow two full-size tomatoes in it. And I've done this for years. I have, uh, at this point, I've got seven or eight of those kind of boxes. And, and in my climate in New Mexico, it's the best way to grow vegetables. My tomatoes do so much better in a, in a grow box than they, than they do in the, in the ground because I can, I can keep them wet enough. And two tomato plants through the entire season don't seem to be crowded in that box at all. Yeah, and when, when you consider that, that the average raised bed is only maybe six or eight inches deep, um, mm-hmm. that, that extra depth would probably um, probably be sufficient for, for that. And one of the things, I've, I've got a, um, a little self-watering um, container that I'm using for salad greens that I started in the summer. One of the fun things I found was when I lifted the top out, and I don't remember what I was doing, uh, maybe moving it inside, the roots were enormous. They were almost coming down into the the water underneath this container or at the bottom of this container, which means that, you know, there, there were six or seven-inch uh, roots on these things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all these products that we've talked about, um, are they available in the box stores or, or if they go to your um, Schultz Communications site, can they get links to all the individual um, product areas? A lot of the products are available um, throughout um independent garden centers, and, and sometimes in the box stores. But if you want to find out more, they're all listed at homegardenandhomestead.com. So go to that website. That's our, our newest website, and that focuses on new and cool uh, plants and products and um, other things for the, the yard and garden. Um, and there's a list on the left side, the category list. Some of them are gift-oriented, and some of them are things like birds and birding and tools and accessories. If you just click through, you'll see all of these products and more, and each of the little stories has a link that takes you directly to the company's website, which is where you can buy them. And do most of them accept uh, online payment and things like that as well? Well, everybody takes uh, the the standard uh, credit cards, and some of them will also take things like PayPal. Okay, um, and, and, and they'd be at the independent ones. They wouldn't be at things like Amazon.com. Well, you know, Amazon has gotten to be sort of the catch-all online store, so a lot of these things are also on oh. Amazon. Okay, um, and they, they can be then delivered direct to your to your friends and fam- family across the, the country, if not the globe, probably, sure, if it's Amazon. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Send them direct to your friends. And your family, but order some for yourself because there's some cool stuff out there. Oh, I think so. And definitely put them on your Christmas list. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you what was on my list last year, and nobody got it for me, so it's going back on this year. It's called, called the World's Best Rain Gauge. And rather than those plastic ones, I think it's got some sort of an Archimedes screw in it. Um, so it, it, it doesn't freeze. Um, and so when, you can leave it out in fr- freezing weather, and you, know, you don't end up with measuring 
one inch of rain for the next six weeks because that's that's all you know the crack is just above the one inch and it just seeps <laughs> out <laughs> yeah I, i've had uh, i've had rain gauges that, that cracked in the weather so that would be a good present for me yeah, um, and I think think it's on the site, the world's best rain gauge. Um, and I, I thought that that was just such a neat idea. That's uh, a great idea. Yeah. So, and I don't think it was expensive. So, um, you know, and so, so I guess gifts for for gardeners in general. Um, I think gloves would probably be the most obvious, right? Um, what are the other uh, fail safes? Uh, we've just got about a minute left. Um, if, well, if, let me let me talk about um, something that. I think is really cool because one of the trends um, in 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 gardening is to also um, recognize the fact that a lot of gardeners are chefs, and so when you grow something um, edible, it can be used in in exotic recipes or or even even uh, you know things like beverages. Um, I love a um, there's something called the Meyer lemon gift set. At, um, at naturehills.com, I think it's just a great idea because, it, you know, part of the gift is the little tree, and then you get a little lemon squeezer for when you actually have lemons. There's a little little uh, bag of fertilizer, organic fertilizer, and there's a, a cool little fruit knife. So they've really got you covered in every stage of, of this gift. And um, Meyer lemons happen to be really tasty because it's actually a cross between a lemon and an orange. So mm-hmm. what you get is a, a lemon that's not quite as tart. So, so, so yeah, so, so so all you really need to add is the gin and the tonic. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It's, it's a great gift for chefs and bartenders and gardeners. It you know pretty much cuts across all those. I think also some, one of the best books that's been out late, lately is um, you know the the uh, the year long gardener by Nikki Jabor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, particularly if you're in the snow belt because she's got this lovely picture on the front that's snow. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and that, that, that I think she, she gives some hints for what to do with it as well. And you can get a lot of, um, I guess you can get a, a lot of books that, that tell you what to do with, with various things from the garden and start from the garden upwards, which uh, those are always useful. Sure, sure. Yeah. You yeah. know, as you, as you grow as a gardener, you're going to find you're looking for things that will extend your season of, of gardening enjoyment. So a lot of what we talked about here today uh, has to do with extending your season, either outdoors in a, or in a greenhouse or growing things indoors during the, the months that you can't grow outside. Yeah, and and uh, keeping that green, green thumb handy um, through the winter is great. I mean, my first job usually in the new year is to go clip some forsythia uh, so that that comes into to bloom. But, you know, we're, we're at the end of the show here, Randy. Um, thank, thank you for being here. It's, it's been just a great chat, and I've enjoyed talking to you. Um, and so that is it for today, folks. Uh, thank you for listening to the Master Gardener Hour this morning. We will be back next week with another show talking all about gardens and gardening have a good gardening week everyone and join me back here next saturday you're listening to america's the pioneer and leader in